Our scripture today comes from Luke 18, 9 through 14. Um, this is from the NIV version. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. So I've never been really uh, a joiner. Uh, I think I've said that before. I've never been one to join groups or want to be a part of the club or the community. I guess there's a little bit of independence in me or kind of a streak of wanting to be original and genuine. The biggest fear I have is drinking the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean, right? I don't ever want to drink the Kool-Aid of any organization, whether it's a company, whether it's a denomination, whether it's a church, anything. I've always been afraid of drinking the Kool-Aid and being one of those, whether it's religious fanatics or just fanatic fanatics, uh, except I will be a Seahawks fanatic. That's the one thing. I've always been uh, a man of the dirt, right? Uh, I hate to pray at restaurants when church people are all gathered, because I know this is, there's this expectation. Everyone's looking at their food, right? And they're looking at me, and I'm like, oh, I have to pray. This happens in my family at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Everyone's like, Pastor Dave, will you pray for me? I'm like, no, you pray. Um, why do I have to? You guys can't pray, right? You guys should know how to pray. Um, so don't, anyways, that's just my, that's my stuff. Um, my fear is always of being labeled as judgmental. Uh, my fear is always of being part of the system, uh, part of the institution. And I think maybe a lot of us feel like this, right? In our, our parable, Jesus tells the story of two men who pray to God. And again, there's a, uh, a compare and contrast between um, kind of the quintessential faithful person the, the conventional faithful person, the man of the institution, the man of the temple, the man of the church, uh, versus the sinner, the tax collector, right? And so Jesus uses these two groups. Um, in our last passage, actually, he compared and contrasted uh, two different um, kind of groups of people. And we would expect the Pharisee, who is a religious leader, to be the one who is most spiritual, the one who prays the best the one who is the closest to God, the one who we would look to uh, to be a model for us. How should we pray? How should we approach God? But what we see in Jesus' story is the Pharisee is haughty, not H-O-T-T-Y, but A-U-G-H-T-Y. He's haughty. Uh, his prayer isn't vulnerable and humble. It's arrogant. And he distances himself from others and thanks God that he's above the robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even the tax collectors. Meanwhile, the tax collector, 
is also praying, um, and he's also at a distance uh, from the group, but not in an aloof manner like the Pharisee. He's not being aloof, separating himself from people, but he's at a distance because he does not feel worthy, right? He doesn't feel that he's better than other people. He feels he's not good enough. He's not good enough to approach God in prayer. He couldn't even look up to heaven. He's physically, if you were to look at him physically, he's visibly pained and he beats himself over the awareness of his own depravity. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And here's the question I have for us. In our lives of faith, in our walk as Jesus followers, will we continue to elevate ourselves by reading God our resumes and putting others down so that we can feel better about ourselves? Or will we choose the path of meekness? Will you approach God in a real way? Will you approach God in a real way? So if I were to ask you guys, what is the path to the good life? Right? That's a question most people would probably ask. Ultimately, we're all pursuing the good life, right? Whether we know God or not, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, are pursuing the good life. The difference is, you know, how we define that path. What will lead us to the good life? Is it money, the acquisition of wealth? Is it acquiring uh, enough wealth to be comfortable, to have that house, to be able to support your family, not be in debt, have two cars? Is it um, accomplishment, right? Is it our career, gaining, climbing the ladder and gaining some kind of reputation or um, being lauded for a good work, a job well done? Is it helping people, right? Being really good at what we do so we actually make a difference. Do we help people? Is it having friends and family around us all the time, right? What is the path to the good life? And I think happiness and joy comes from intimacy. It comes from intimacy. Happiness and joy come from intimacy. And what, what is intimacy? Intimacy is my heart and Andrew's heart touching. Right? <laughs> With as little buffers as possible. Right? So if I make a gesture towards Andrew right, that says, hey, let's hang out. Like, I want to be open. I want to be friends. I want to be vulnerable. And he says, uh, I'm, I'm busy, actually. Right? What's my natural reaction? Right? And I take a step back. Oh, I'm busy, too. Never mind. Right? <laughs> right? We're constantly, that's, that's the human kind of experience is we want to be close. We want love. We want relationship. We want friendship. We want people in our lives, but we're also afraid. We're also afraid to let those people in. We're also afraid to take that step towards each other because we're afraid to get hurt. And yet, I believe that openness, walking around in vulnerability and relating to one another in vulnerability lends to intimacy, which lends to the good life. Really, that's what we want. 
And around Christmas time, you'll what movies come out in Christmas time? What like Sound of Music, Star Wars, Star Wars, <laughs> Miz. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, one of my favorites is It's a Wonderful Life, right? And It's a Wonderful Life is a story of a man who has these dreams and aspirations of traveling the world, getting out of this stupid small town and like hitting it big and traveling. And his whole life is a series of tragedies and responsibilities placed on him so that he never leaves town. He never gets to do that, the things that he dreamed of. And he gets to a point where he's depressed. He's like, what has my life become? And he jumps off a bridge. But by the end of the story, um, he comes to a realization that no man is unhappy, right, or lost who has friends. That's right, Clarence. That's right, Clarence. Um, Zuzu's petals, right? It's a wonderful life. No person is lonely or no person is unhappy who has friends. And so I think about this. If this is true, why do I spend so much time being fake and lying to people? Why do I spend so much time saying to people, I'm okay? Why do I spend so much time saying to, acting like I have other things to do rather than just going and hanging out with them or being with them, right? Even with my wife, why do I spend so much time trying to be right rather than just taking a step back, breathing, right, and letting down my guard a little bit? Because every time I let down my guard, right, in an argument or a conversation, Something good happens, right? Connection is made. The fight is dissolved. So if that's the way and everything is better, why do we spend so much time fighting against it, right? And so this passage, I see that. We spend a lot of time making ourselves, building barriers between us and community us and other people. Look at this Pharisee. He uses religion and spirituality to disconnect himself from his brothers and sisters around him. In his prayer, it says he stands apart, right? And he says, look at those people over there. At least I'm not like them, God. Ha, 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 ha. I'm awesome, right? I'm not sinning in this way. Right? I'm not doing drugs. I'm not selling my body. I'm not cheating people of their money. Right? I'm not out there, you know, wheeling and dealing. I'm following God. I'm following you. And I'm praying here. And no doubt he's making a big spectacle about it. The tax collector, um, it's kind of the flip side of another coin. Right? He stands at a distance. Um, and he's beating his chest. He's like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. So I see this guy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And it puts him at a distance. But I think there's something different, right? There's something different in this person in that his prayer is vulnerable, right? And there's an acknowledgement of his depravity. And there's an openness of his heart. 
right? And this openness is what allows God to come into our lives and connect, right? I need you, God. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. For every breath, I need you. I need you, I need you, I need you. This is what Jesus means by poverty of spirit. And if I could preach this every week, I would preach it. It is the path to intimacy. It is the path to good life. Right? Just test it. Just test it. Just think of people who drive you crazy. Right? Whether it's your children, a coworker, your spouse. Right? Just think of like things that make you tense during the day and make you react to someone. And instead of, make a note in your mind, instead of being tense, right? They say, I'm gonna respond in an open manner in this situation, right? I'm gonna respond in an open manner. So, like I dislike really loud people that come up to you really quick. Hey! Right? It's like, oh gosh, right? As an introvert, it's like, no, I'm not ready to enter that loudness. And, uh, but just be like, what if instead of like giving them the sarcastic whatever or just avoiding them, I said, hey, back, and hugged them, right? I, I make a connection, right? So I actually don't know where I'm going with this. Besides, our openness and our humility lends to vulnerability, lends to intimacy with one another and with God, right? And we have so many things in our life that block us from being open and intimate, right? We have so many lies in our life. We lie all the time. We lie to God. We lie to each other. We lie in church. We lie at work. We say we're okay, we say we're fine, we say we're strong, we say we're sufficient, we say we're independent, right? But then we go home and we're lonely, we're depressed, we're scared, right? We need something so we eat or we binge on Netflix or whatever it is, there's this emptiness. And I, I, I've told you guys this, I opened the fridge, right? Why am I opening the fridge? I pace around, I open the fridge again. Why? Because, like, there's something empty. I need something, right? And food will make me content for at least half an hour, right? I need. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he's telling this parable. These are the people. This is the point that I want you at. I want to meet you in that place. This is true faith. This is true metal, right? And it, do I have that slide? True metal, this is actually the second part of last uh, week's sermon. True metal wrestles with God, um, God's will at the core, and come away obedient. That was last week. And then true metal recognizes its own need and dependence on Jesus and embraces faith. Right? You cannot embrace hope and faith until you recognize your need and dependence right, on Jesus. Uh, will you approach God in a real way? No glowing eyes. You guys know what I mean by glowing eyes? No. I, I won't go there. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's like people who've drunk the Kool-Aid. 
So like they don't talk straight, right? They don't talk down to earth or like normal people, but they're like, it's just religious language or whatever inside thing they're in. It's just like that they give you the line, right? No glowing eyes, no Kool-Aid, but God, here I am. Consider me, cleanse me, change me. When you pray, this, we're talking about prayer. When you pray, be real. When you pray, be real. When you pray, be real. The reason why I say this is I catch myself. I'm alone praying to God, and I catch myself doing kind of like performance, right? Because we all have kind of our notions of what prayer is. We all have our performances, right? Mine is, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this, thank you for that, thank you for this. We give you praise, we give you thanks, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's almost automatic, right? And it takes a while to really get into prayer, right? Prayer, like, God, I don't know what to, I don't even know what to say. I know I'm supposed to pray, right? I'm a pastor. I should probably pray every day, right? I should pray for all you people. I should pray uh, for the world. I should intercede on behalf of people, but I have no words to say, and I really don't have motivation. But I know I'm feeling at unrest in my life. I know I'm pacing and opening my refrigerator a lot. So what's up? What's amiss in my life right now? I need you. I'm bored. Right? I have all these gifts, and I don't feel challenged in my life. I'm bored. And when I get bored, bad things happen. <laughs> right? so I start getting dangerous in my life. Right? So God returned the adventure back to my life. God, I don't feel like a man these days. I don't feel confident these days. So God, will you do something to light, light that fire in me? Whatever, I, I didn't mean to like bring up man, man, whatever. <laughs> I don't feel, you know, important. I don't feel this or that. Be real in your prayers. Talk to God. Right? And some of us need form. I'm not saying form is bad, like your devotionals or like even going through, you know, a prayer. But those are things, it's like training wheels, right? You pedal, and then it's so that you can get momentum in prayer, and then you start going on your own, right? So you do the form, and all of a sudden it starts coming. And I think Jesus is talking about this. He's like, I need people who are going to be real and open because that's, I'm the great physician. Right? That's, those are the people I can work with. Those are the people that are inviting me into their lives and into their heart. Right? Those are people that I can draw near to me and I will draw near to them because God wants to draw near to us. God wants to draw near to you. He wants to be with you. Right? What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who follows Jesus and is in love with Jesus. 
and Jesus loves that person. It's someone who has a relationship with Jesus. What is church? Church is a gathering of Jesus followers, Jesus lovers. We're so excited about Jesus that we want to be around other people that are excited by Jesus. And those times where we're struggling to be in love with Jesus, we want to just be around other people that'll help us right? see light, see hope again, see the realness. Right? And when we can't see clearly, we need other people to pray with us and be community for us, right? to be discerners with us. And if I were to take a poll, what makes, why do we show up to Renew on Sunday? Like, what makes Renew, Renew, right? I think probably 80% of people would be, oh, community. Right? I hear that word, community. It's a great word, community, yeah. Christian community. Um, but what does that mean? What does community mean, right, really? Right? Is it a gathering of friends, right? I'd never get to see you guys during the week, so now I get to see you, right? Is it third Sunday potluck? Wow, that's community. For me it is, yeah. I'm getting excited about it. Right? Is it going out to lunch afterwards, right? Oh, that's community. Is it Wednesday night small group? I think all of those are community, right? Um, but in of themselves, that isn't church, what church is, right? Church is the body of Christ, right? Being connected to Jesus and going out with Jesus together. And there's a deeper meaning and purpose to that. So um, Jesus wants to be in relationship with us. Jesus wants to be around us. And worship now I'm preaching, but I'm supposed to preach. <laughs> worship, true worship, worshiping in spirit and truth comes when we are vulnerable, right? when we recognize our need and we interact with God, the God of the universe. Moses was freaked out. God was calling him to lead his people out of slavery. Right? And he's like, I need a sign. I can't speak. Whatever excuse. I'm too... Ugly, right? I've got speaking issues. And God was like, this will be your sign. When you've led the people out of Egypt, you will come to this mountain and I will be with you and you will worship me on this mountain. And Moses is like, wait a second. The problem with that is the sign comes after I've already done it. I want the sign before I do the thing. He's like, this will be the sign to you when you come and you worship me. It's like, what? Right? And so what do I see in that? I see that sometimes you don't want to do it. You don't want to worship. You don't want to pray. You don't want to be in love with God. Right? But the sign is when we do, when we're obedient, when we're faithful, we will be worshiping him. Isn't that interesting? Right? We worship, right, to be more worshipful. And we are worshipful because we walked that journey when we weren't worshiping. 
and God found God to be faithful. You know? And all of that requires an open heart on the journey. Right? You have to have an open heart. Right? For all of you who aren't married, um, first of all, marriage isn't the end all. Right? It's not the answer. When I get married, then I won't be a jerk anymore. <laughs> I'm married and I'm still a jerk. Right? <laughs> when I'm married, all loneliness will go away. All my sexual needs will be satisfied. That's, that's not true at all. Okay. I'll cut that. <laughs> I said that wrong. That's definitely not true. That's definitely not the answer. Um, what was I going to say with that? But when you're, when you're married, right, it's, it's just an example. It takes a lot of work to stay in love and to be intimate, right? Because you get that cloud, you get a pattern going of relating to each other, and you're in the same house, and there's the stresses of every day, and it's just really easy to just snap, you know, snap at one another, or just put up walls, or just fall into the whatever, 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 to not listen to each other. Um, but it takes work and commitment to actually be like, I need you in my life, and I need our partnership to be working right now. I need us to be talking right now. Even though it's very hard for me right, to be vulnerable or to like change the way I'm interacting, uh, I need this. And to kind of lay that down, beat your chest. Right? And so this is, uh, this is my word to us. Is there another slide? God values the authentic heart living um, over being good and giving lip, lip service. And God's people are real with their struggles, with their sin, with their need, while the truly lost front and live in hypocrisy. Right? God wants a people who are open. Right? And, and sometimes um, we have the label as Christians of being not open, right? Or being something else. And actually, we're our light and our salt and our witness to the world is through our love, our radical hospitality, our radical reconciliation, our willingness to forgive, our willingness to ask for forgiveness, our willingness to be dependent, to partner, to say, I need you, to cross lines of differences and say, let's work together. That's our salt and light because of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for who you are. Uh, we want to... Uh, learn from this example that you gave us of the tax collector, the sinful man who came to you um, broken and raw and you set him up as uh, an exemplar of faith of how one should pray, how one should approach, how, who's justified before God and your heart is close to the brokenhearted, you're near to those who are contrite in spirit and um, more than just fabricating uh, false humility or brokenness, help us to embrace um, our own brokenness, our own need for you in real ways. And will you meet us in that place? Will you make us 
a tender community, a warm community, a community uh, of intimacy and openness so that others uh, can witness your love through us and, and be touched and uh, invited to the table in your name. Amen.